You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Reno's in. Welcome in. ESPN Reno, the home of uh, Legends Bay Casino, a Circa Las Vegas partner with Circa Sports on that property in Sparks, downtown Vegas. JBT, Devon, Cofield, we're at Stadium Swim. Just to continue for a second, I've never, well, we did it last year on the whole halftime show and where it ranked. I think I got to do that tomorrow. I have a main list. I can't find it right now, though. I look for it, like, frantically today. Yeah. Um, I always mention Prince as being the best one. I don't yep. know when I did the list a couple years ago that I actually had him at one. I think I'm forgetting a couple. No, I think you did have him at one. I mean, I remember as your producer, you really liked it. We've referenced it multiple times. The When Prince passed, we actually closed one of the shows by just playing yeah, we his did. performance. That's right. yep. Yeah, to go out. I cried. I cried uh, the whole time cried walking out of the building. So I would I would think that's probably in there. I mean, I think by appreciation for me, Prince is in the top. Because I can't remember enough to rank a top five. But I'll say in no particular order, my top three would be um, Prince, Rihanna, and probably the L.A. one, which yep. was a collection of a lot of different people. But I thought the was L.A. Great. was – I thought the L.A. show was great. Um, I am personally a fan of Lady Gaga. So oh, that was good too. I thought that one was good. I oh. think they, they had her like kind of fake coming out of the top of the stadium. That when she jumped off like a yep. ledge or whatever. Yep. Um, who can forget Katy Perry and Left Shark? Le- but but here's the thing: was it Katy Perry or the shark? Oh, it was definitely the shark. Yeah, with its meandering <laughs> and like useless movements, and oh, it was absolutely tremendous. And Katy Perry, I mean, it's Katy Perry. Oh wow, Kid Rock was part of a. Can he be part of it again? Must have sucked. No, it was a Janet Jackson year. Oh. Somehow he got out there. I'm I mean, l- I'm looking way back. Bieber, Janet Jackson's got to be. Or Bieber. Excuse me, Justin Timberlake. Wrong, uh, wrong Justin. Yeah, there's some weird shows in the past. Dude, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers in that Super Bowl with the Giants of the uh, the Patriots, the first one. That was one of the most boring shows I've ever watched. I got to look back because I also ranked all the national anthems, and I had some that people completely forgot about. Reba but- was very ugh. Um, just went through it. Just I thought based on expectations, because you guys just murdered her on the air, yeah. uh, that she did fine. Uh, she just she was boring. That's what I just kept saying, and she was. Very plain. Well, that was the only way that she was going to deliver anywhere close to that 90 and a half second over under. And then I guess it got all jacked up because of a second brave or she stumbled or something. And, and then those books who take those bats are like, yeah, just pay everybody. Yep. Got to check your house rules. The second brave okay. doesn't count at some spots. Now, when we come out to a place and we're partners with a place – I'm telling you, we like the place. Correct. Right? Because what's the point? If we're going to deliver how cool the place is and we're just lying through our teeth, it's not believable. We love Circa. And we like what Circa Sports does. We've mentioned for the mania madness in the third month of the year, don't want to make a mistake, you can bet the champ. Yes, no. Yep. And I was saying earlier this week on like 30-plus teams, it's every team that's on the board, yes, no? Every single one. Holy crap. If you want, you can go in and lay minus 999,999 that UNLV is not going to win the championship this year. It's a big investment. <laughs> it is. If you have a – Free money. Yeah, yeah. You bet your $99 for – I don't even know what that would be. 
but but yeah. but John teams within the top fifteen or twenty. If you've got enough money, the no price is very bettable and it's available. And the thing is, it's not really available anywhere else. Oh no, not not really. No, it's not. It's not. It's not at all. And to illustrate the point of getting it and being player friendly, you've been dealing with another casino group in town that has an app. Yep. You know, obviously, there are several of them. And you keep updating me on getting your Super Bowl. It actually wasn't a Super Bowl win. It was a futures win from the beginning of the season. It's now Thursday. The season ended on Sunday. Have you gotten all your money yet? Uh, I've gotten half of it. Why Why have you gotten half of this it? This is absolutely uh, – it's unreal. So, it's a Super Bowl future, as you mentioned. It gets graded as a winner, which it should. It was on the Kansas City Chiefs. It takes over 48 hours for the money to hit my account. It also takes me asking about where it is until I get a, oh, essentially, uh, we apologize. Uh, we'll now have it within your account within you know the next 24 hours. So, again, I have to reach out to get this process started. Finally happens. I go yesterday to withdraw the money in person. I'm told, nah, you got to withdraw within business hours, even though the business hours that are standing right next to me clearly state they didn't close for another hour and a half. Yeah. All right, whatever. That's fine. Maybe it's not updated. Phil, Phil in the audience and Damon, you have to go to the Strip to do this. Correct. You're inside a property on the Strip, and the hours of operation are posted there. No, that's not accurate. No. Okay, whatever. Happens. I'll be back. I come back today. I'm here to get my money. Oh, okay. All you have to do is go on the app, hit withdraw, uh, withdraw through there. You'll get an email uh, within the next few hours. It should be in the next five minutes. Once you get that email, then come back up to the counter, give us this code, and then we'll give you your money. And I'm like, are, like what are we doing? Seems like a lot. It does seem like a lot yes. for my money. Yes. So then I'm like, all right, I, I try to be, I try to be helpful. I try. I, obviously, I know that these people, the ones telling me this, are not the ones that made this rule. So I'm not going to take this out on them. So I do it. Sit there for about five minutes. Finally, get the email. Funny thing is, the email withdrawal is for only half of what I've withdrawn. So I mean, I, how do you live like this, Damon? You're a high, you know, high level gambler, a big parlay player. How do we do this? This is infuriating me. I think I would have given up. I would have just lived. I, I'll live with the hey, it's in my account. I've got to worry about this another day. It's because it's, after the email situation, I would have been fuming. So I get the, I go up and I go, okay, so why is this only for half? And it's, oh, that's just the way we do it. Half is going to be, you know, we can give you your cash. And the other half goes back into your, it's called a play plus account, which you use to like deposit money. And I'm like, so does that go back into then the account that it's linked to? Uh, I think so. That's not a great answer. So I've got half of my winnings just, and I just checked my, I just checked my app again. Uh, my withdrawal transaction has disappeared. Oh so no! So I don't know where half my winnings are right now. Yeah. They better be in my account. They got you. That would sound like to me. Oh it's, no! Did you screenshot here, it? I, I did. And here's the thing. Here. I go downstairs, I give them my player card, I tell them what I want out of my account, I get it in five seconds. I get. To, I just have to sign a piece of paper. This is absolutely, insanity. Ins, it's insane, it's flatly, it's unacceptable, and it has put me in a position where I'm just like, I'm not going to bet there anymore. I'm not doing it. And look, I'm not some whale, I'm not, they're not going to hurt without me. 
But I'm not doing that. That's completely unacceptable that my money, I can't get my hands on without jumping through hoops. In 2024, it's unacceptable. I'm sure there are hundreds of people who have similar stories from coming into town and dealing with our archaic rules. And we did wind up finishing with a handle of, what, 185.6. That yep. broke the record by about $5 million. Your claim earlier in the week was, well, that's not really an overwhelming result considering where we were. So do you think your prediction came true, that people got really frustrated by the sign-up limitations here in Vegas and it actually cost the overall handle? Oh, I, th- I think it does. I think it did for sure. I mean, I think you probably could have gotten a lot closer to 200 until you realize the hoops you have to jump through to actually have it happen. And – like, do I think it cost them like twenty million dollars? No, but do I do I think it absolutely affected some people who wanted to come in and, and bet? And then, by the way, the people that you did get to sign up and bet, imagine if they're doing what I'm doing and bet at the at the place that I'm talking about, and you want to leave on Monday and you go to get your winnings, and they're like, "No, nope, sorry, maybe twenty four hours from now." I'm out of town in twenty four hours. How much? But it wouldn't work in. Well, what if that state doesn't have that app? Uh, no, but here's the thing. What if I'm from Texas or California? I believe the rules, it, it all depends on gaming, right? So the rules for the other states is I have, if I have an account somewhere in the other states at certain books, I can withdraw here in Nevada. I can take it back to my account. There's, a, there's certainly a reality which Nevada wouldn't let you withdraw right. across state lines. That seems pretty shady because that basically sounds like, hey, we're going to hold your money and make money off your money right. while you don't have the money. Yep. Wow. Okay, I'll give you this scenario. So we're still struggling a bit to modernize our sportsbook process here, right? I'll be conservative. We get the next Super Bowl in Vegas. Our next Super Bowl in Vegas is 2030. We've got six years. What's more likely? That we've modernized our sportsbook industry where it matches the convenience of other markets or... We have much better ingress and egress all over the strip in 2030 for a Super Bowl. Hmm. I guess the ingress it's, and it's, egress is probably more important. It is. Yeah. Well, not, not. I'm not saying more important. What What will get done? Oh, oh, oh! The ingress and egress, 100. percent With how long it takes to get roads done here? 100. percent Oh there, my there, God. There's so many other different plague factors at play when it comes to the the reason why this is so archaic out here. And those powers that be will not let that happen. They want you in their buildings. They want you in the brick and mortar. They want you to do all this stuff. It's absolutely unreal. And again, like, you're not, I don't think, like, I'll use myself as an example. You're not getting people. The other day, when I signed up for a different app, and I wanted to bet at that place, and it made me go and cross the threshold of one of their brick and mortars just so I could activate the account. It's crazy. I didn't step in and go, ooh, roulette, and then go and bet there. I crossed the threshold, did what I had to do, and stepped out. Well, they got me for uh, 140 in food. <laughs> yeah, no. like, no, I'm no. out. It didn't happen. In fact, the first place that lets me sign up remotely, I'll be more likely to go. It's it's just it's unacceptable. It, it It's... It makes the industry out here look so bad. At one point, you were at, like, the peak, the pinnacle. Everybody talked about it. And now you, there are quibbles with all sorts of online books that we can talk about. They're absolutely fair. But to do what to, to have to go what I'm going through and many others are going through in this state, that's absolutely unreal. And, it, and honestly, it makes it look so shady. Why do I have to jump through these hoops to get my money? 
You're what are act- you doing with it? You're actually trying to be a cooperative participant. Yes. Other, right now, I'm I can sure name. other people are flipping out. Yes, I can name them right now and, and, and do like the Delta thing, right, where people tweet at them and make a big deal. You know who I am? Like, it's it's insane. And frankly, the indifference when you talk to the people down there, it sucks too. Like, it, it's, I don't know. So I'm going to find out here at the commercial break because, like I said, I don't know where my money is. My so withdrawal. So you're, you're gone. My withdrawal slip. Come on, he's done for the show. He'll well, be gone. Only thing I really want to say is if you have a similar story, text us at 702-364-1100. That's a good point. Because yeah. I want to hear if other people are like, yeah, thank you, JVT. Same thing happened to me. Yeah. And the worst part is you're in the 5% that are actually being really nice about it, and then you still get back the, I don't know, I don't care. Right. Like, I'm actually being nice and cooperative. Don't bust my shops. I just – and by the way, there was also the other part of the story. They have people standing out, like, outside of the book to get you to sign up. And the guy asked me, he's like, are you going to sign? I'm like, I got an account. I'm just here to take out money. So then they send me over eventually to another counter. The same guy walks up and, like, butts in. He goes, are you signing up? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm getting my money. He I goes, oh, you're you. at the right place. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much pressure. Just trying to do my job, man. Yeah. It's so hilarious. Uh, by the way, that over we recommended for a college basketball game for a 130 total is five minutes left in the first half. It's a 37, John. Great call. Thanks for screwing over one of the. I mean, the, don't say we. The, I, I somebody actually, asked. And I, I actually asked did. Him, he's a I actually did blurt out over. Oof. And I'm usually very, very pessimistic on anything with my teams involved, and I blew that one. I blew it big time. Stanford route. Our NFL insiders up in less than six minutes. The former Raider is on the scene here at Stadium Swim. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. Back here at Stadium Swim, of course, at Circa. My favorite spot in town. I'm not saying that because the big bosses are standing right in front of me. I love it here. I've contributed a lot of money as well. I, in fact, think I built a portion of this with all the funds I've contributed. Stanford Route is with us as well. Longtime NFLer, very fit man. What's going on, man? Uh, what's going on, fellas? Always happy to be back on with y'all. How, how you like it out here? Are you surveying the spot? What do you think? Well, this is my first time ever being at what, Stadium Swim or stadium Circle swim. Pool. Which stadium one do you call swim. it? Um, so this is my first time ever being there. But, yeah, this is definitely a beautiful setup. I've seen pictures online and things like that, but uh, it's definitely a nice setup. I like this. I can imagine how it gets during peak season, like in the summertime, June, July, August, all of that. Well, the best part is it's always peak season, so everybody's always out here. All <laughs> uh, right, well, because Las Vegas is great. The weather's awesome. Yeah. So, like, generally outside of what, last week when we had a monsoon for a day, uh, <laughs> this place is open all the time, and you can come out here. Imagine imagine March Madness, right? Tournament's yes. coming up. First two rounds, all of the games yeah, up we're here a month on the screen. Yep. All these games up here on the screen, and then you're coming out here having a good time. Oh, boy. It's my – oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, uh, it definitely will be something I'll have to definitely check out uh, coming this – I should I say higher peak season That's uh, right. since you say it's always peak season. See what he did right there? So I have a theory that – for- Yeah, yeah. So I have, a th- I have a theory that former athletes, like when you shake their hands, like to exert their dominance without overtly showing you. So they'll just like squeeze your hand like crazy or, or do some sort of he physical grab. Now, and now listen. Now listen. I will tell you this. I remember – this is years ago. I remember – and there's certain guys – that maybe do that. Yeah. But there's other guys like Richard Seymour. I remember shaking Adrian Peterson's hand. I just think they're just naturally that strong 
it just may seem to us mere mortals that they're exerting their dominance, and know. that's just their natural strength. That's why every time I met a former athlete at Radio Row, or every time I do it, I squeeze as hard as I can. <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't back down. I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> I've, been, I've been better at just offering up the fist, but I forget all the time. <laughs> Because you have a lifetime of shaking people's hands. Yeah, right. I get it. to just do the fist. And I don't think a giant fist is going to break my fist. <laughs> I was telling everyone last week, do you know Chuck Liddell? You're aware of him, the old UFC yes, fighter? Yes, of course. So, uh, he's got a big gut now. He's, you know, he's drinking beer and stuff. Um, but I, was, I took a picture of him, and, and I saw his hand on, like, a, like a long energy drink hand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my God. So some of these boxers, especially the, his was all, like, grizzled but gigantic. Yep. The, you know, the mitts to be able to freaking punch someone Absolutely. out. Absolutely. It's craziness. Yeah. All right, speaking of craziness, mm-hmm. let, let's, let's go around the set. I will admit... Uh, and I was uh, half in the bag watching the game uh, downtown. I was, all, I was um, all the way in the bag. I didn't know what the hell was going on with overtime <laughs> and the rules, and we'd never gotten to test these playoff rules out. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm mad enough to say that, but I am blown away by the fact that Kansas City knew exactly what they wanted to do. They knew the rules, and a guy who was known as a really smart guy, cerebral guy, didn't have his team ready for the overtime rules. And that's, that's pretty crazy, Stanford. Uh, man, you know, I love Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, uh, growing up, I watched his father win those two straight Super Bowls with John Elway and, Ster- and Shannon Sharp and Terrell Davis and everybody else. And I just hate this for him because he's so he's thought of as such a cerebral person, brilliant offensive mind for everything that he's done all the way from his days with the Washington then Redskins to the Atlanta Falcons. We all know he blew the Super Bowl, but everything he's done with San Francisco 49ers and what he's done with Brock Purdy and Jimmy G and Nick Mullins and everybody else. And the fact that he that the headline on his resume or the headline on his Wikipedia page is going to be this. It's going to be the blown Super Bowls, whether it was four years ago against the Chiefs, and a lot of people want to put it on him when he was with the, with the Atlanta Falcons, even though he was just the OC then, not the HC. I hate that this is going to be the headline and everything else is going to be a footnote. But I knew that there was a change in the – overtime rules for the playoffs after that thriller with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, the Josh Allen game. I knew that it was a change, and I knew that there was some change where both teams would get the ball. Both teams would be able to have possession of the ball. I'm not going to lie to you. I did not know exactly all the rules, but I knew there was a rule change, and it's very difficult to it's very difficult to cover everything. It just is. You know, it's very easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. I would venture to say, and I know what Travis Kelsey said after the game and all that, I would venture to say I don't think every Kansas City Chief knew the nooks and crannies, all of the intricacies of all of the of the new rules for the uh, for the overtime playoff rule. I don't right. think that everybody knew. Yeah, they allege that they went over it um, quite a bit. Well, let, let's let's play some audio here. Um, come on, we have the uh, Kelsey Frazier. <laughs> Audio. So this was this is from the podcast again. This is Jason and, and, and Travis Kelsey, and they were talking about this guy Fraser, Fraser, uh, who been, uh, essentially John is the uh, Ernie Adams. Remember him, mm-hmm. the nerd in the basement who sniffed out the uh, Seattle play on the goal line. You know they may not give the ball to Beast Mode. They might throw a little slant. So he sniffed that out. And these guys love this Fraser. Listen to Kelsey here, and he actually takes a really subtle shot at the end at the Niners. Like, we knew exactly what the best situation was, how we were going to handle it, how we were going to, like, attack it. Frage coming up big, man. They got to they gotta get a Frage over there in, uh, in San Fran. <laughs> oh. Is that their guy, Frage? I mean, look, 
I mean, I, at the end, he's like, maybe they should get their own phrase. Yeah. Like, whoa. I mean, I, I think that they should be more prepared for these situations. But I'll ask you, because I think one of the other things is missed, because a lot of people keep going back and forth with the, oh, you know, you don't receive, you got to kick, you got to know, all those sort of things. I think at the end of the day, I do think they should have received, or excuse me, should have kicked it away, because I think you're I think you're going for two. If you need a touchdown, right, you don't want to give them a third position. Go for it. So you, you elect to kick it away. You get the second possession. You know what you got to do. And if it's a touchdown, you're scoring a touchdown and going for two. Okay, but now I'll throw this at you. Let's say you kick off. They get the ball. They drive down. They get a field goal. You now have the ball. It's, a, it's the second possession. You drive down. You're thinking that you're about to go ahead and score a touchdown, walk off, and guess what? Somehow, some way, you get a holding call. You get a false start, something that thwarts the drive, where now you're relegated to just a field goal. So now, bam, tie game. You've had the ball. You got a field goal. I've had the ball. You got a, I got a field goal. Now, bam, it's sudden death, and now you have the ball first in the sudden death portion of overtime. Right. And mind you, it all it's like it turns over like it's a new game. So you remember how the Chiefs scored with like three seconds left in the fifth quarter. It wasn't all of a sudden about to be like some difference of a change or anything like that. It was just going to simply go over, roll over to the next quarter. If the Kansas City Chiefs would have simply not been able to run a playoff before the end of the fifth quarter, we would have started off the sixth quarter right then and there yeah. with the Chiefs with the ball right there inside the 10-yard line. So now you have the ball with the third possession, a.k.a. sudden death. Well, now you can go ahead and get a walk-off touchdown, a walk-off field goal, what have you. So – there's a myriad of ways to looking at it. I attribute it to this. I don't put the Atlanta Falcons blunder on Kyle Shanahan because when we think of Andy Reid, we think of his records in the Super Bowl. We think of Bill Belichick, we think of his records in the Super Bowl. For some strange reason, over the past couple weeks, now we throw in Kyle Shanahan's record as an OC in Super Bowls. We add that on to his resume, even though we don't do that for nobody else. So I look at Kyle Shanahan being 0 for 2 in Super Bowls, but I digress. Kyle Shanahan in both those Super Bowls had a 10-point lead. Yep. If they get they get an interception off of Pat Mahomes near the uh, near the midfield, near midfield. It's what I think the score is what 10-3 at that time. Mm-hmm. Give me a field goal. You're now back up 10. Give me a touchdown. You're up two you're up two touchdowns. You're up 17-3 on what a lot of people are saying is the greatest quarterback uh ever to play the game in Pat Mahomes and he very well might be that one day. But you're up two touchdowns on the Kansas City Chiefs. Things are about to get real tight on them if you're up two touchdowns. For three straight drives, you didn't do anything. So that, to me, is more indicative of the loss than just simply choosing to receive instead of kicking off in overtime, which if you'd have done what you were supposed to do, never would have even I mean, been there in the first place. To your point, Stanford, if the ball doesn't hit a San Francisco 49ers ankle I agree completely. on a punt, right? I agree. we're, we're, not, we're I, not talking I, about now, so, this. Now, you're, now, listen, uh, those, ty- those are things that – you can't control. Right. They just happen. Now, as an offensive play caller, as Kyle Shanahan, with the brilliant mind that he is, you can't go three straight drives, yeah. three and out. And you can't do it after you get an interception near midfield. I mean, when you have the ball near midfield, you get one first down, you're already in field goal range. Just one first down. So that, to me, was more of the debacle than just simply choosing to re- uh, receive instead of kickoff because they didn't know the overtime rules. I'm a, I'm a defensive guy, always will be. If you do what you're supposed to do, you don't even get to the fifth quarter because once you get to that fifth quarter, man, anything can happen. So don't put fate 
in someone else's hands. That's the way I always look at it as a defense player. Stanford Route, uh, longtime NFL player with us here. Uh, Believe in Raiders podcast, correct? Yes, Believe in go. Raiders podcast. Host of that, so you can check that out as well wherever you get your podcast. Really quickly, on Kyle Shanahan, I thought it was fascinating that we as a society forget certain things. So we saw a lot after the game of he's never going to win it. And I feel like, because here's the thing, how do you say that when the guy who just won it across the way was one in five in NFC, like Until one in five in NFC Pat championship Mahomes. games? Right? I agree completely. You know what I mean? Like the, the fact that we forget these things and that we just want to like, forget and give up on these guys, like the guy across from him is the poster child of why you don't give up dudes. Andy Reid is now going to go down as one of the best head coaches ever. Absolutely. You look at Andy Reid for everything that he did in Philadelphia with Donovan McNabb, which with LaShawn McCoy, with, uh, I'm sorry, with Nick Foles before he won the Super Bowl when uh, when when uh, Doug Peterson got there. And you look at Michael Vick and so many different players that he was able to get the most out of for his days in Philadelphia. He never won the big one. And that, to me, you look now, the conversation is who's the best coach of all time, Andy Reid or Bill Belichick. Well, Bill Belichick never won anything without Bill. Andy Reid ain't never won none without Pat. <laughs> so it's always amazing to me how we can all move the goalposts for whatever narrative that we want to push. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. That's uh, the Reno Hour. We're on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. 766-1400 is the number. To call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Office is in Reno, right downtown uh, here in Vegas, uh, in Las Vegas proper, and also in Henderson. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400, 766-1400. Battleborn Injury Lawyers in the north. Make sure you dial 775. Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. ESPN Las Vegas, former Raider Stanford Route is in town. Nice enough to join us at the set here. John Von Tobel as well. We're uh, going to have Stanford here for the rest of this hour. Uh, Brad Powers coming up on post-Super Bowl 58 betting reaction. Again, that's at 5 o'clock. All right, Steve Wilkes is out. Uh, you knew some heads were going to roll after... The Niners fall short. John, do you think people are being a bit dramatic about this? Yeah, I think so because if you, if you really look at some of the detailed you know numbers behind San Francisco's defense this season, they did struggle a little bit in quite a few categories. You know, specifically, their run defense was pretty average. And we did see a lot of games. Joe Burrow destroyed them. Jared Goff played very well against them. Lamar Jackson played very well against them. There were times where the secondary was very vulnerable. So I don't think it's like out of this world, Stanford – that Steve Wilkes would be on the chopping block. I think a lot of people look at the Super Bowl and go, how could you? They played great. Well, you played more than just one game. And I think if you look at the whole resume, there's at least an argument to be made that this was kind of maybe coming, that there was something that was not connecting with that staff. I attributed this to a difference in philosophy. Yeah. That's pretty much how I took it. You remember back in the middle part of the season where I believe it was where Steve Wilkes was, what was he, on the sideline and they wanted him up in the booth or he was in the booth and they wanted him down on the sideline. I forget which it was, but even then there was a change that was made in where they wanted him within the stadium because of the feel, the vibe that it seemed like wasn't translating to the players. So I just always took it as they had a difference of philosophy that, the 49ers still finished number three in the NFL in, in total defense. Yep. So, clearly, they were not playing like hot garbage. But, yes, to your point, I do believe the defense looked different 
versus the years of Robert Sala and the D'Amico Ryans. And furthermore, if the 49ers were to have won this game and become Super Bowl champions, I don't think he's getting fired three days later. You know, just like I know, whenever there's a major loss, whenever the, the team does not meet expectations, you know, just like I know, John, somebody has to be the fall guy. And in this situation, who's the offensive coordinator for the 49ers? It's Kyle Shanahan. Well, going Kyle Shanahan's not going to fire himself because the because the San Francisco 49ers could take a long, hard look at the offensive play caller yep. because they came up short in the second half of this football game. So that, to me, right there is indicative of it all. Kyle Shanahan ain't going to fire himself. Yep. He's the offense coordinator. So somebody has to be the fall guy, and unfortunately in this situation, it was Steve Wilkes. That's how I looked at it. Somebody's got to be the fall guy, and it also adds to the conviction of a Kyle Shanahan when you already have what I perceive a difference in philosophy between him and Steve Wilkes. Yeah, and I also thought, you know, Xavier brought this up. Xavier Pope was with us in the first hour, which was a lot of people kept going to they held Patrick Mahomes down in that Super Bowl. They did. They, they did. But so I also the watched, game. I did also watch a Chiefs t- team all season long stand for struggle on offense and do exactly what they did in that Super Bowl, right? Which was kind of play disjointed offense. I mean, the, right? I mean, throughout this entire season, the biggest thing was what's going on with Kansas City's offense. They were shut out in the second half many, many times. Second half unders for Kansas City Chiefs uh, were, I think, nineteen and two for the season because of how bad they were in the second halves. It wasn't that surprising to see Kansas City struggle. I don't want to take anything away from Wilkes and his defense. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't this team that rolled in averaging 30-plus points and then automatically got shut down. It's something that we saw from Kansas City. All no, right. no, it wasn't. You're right about that. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs' offense has struggled for many parts of the season since the postseason when they got hot and started putting everything together. But when you look in totality for the 49ers' defense, they still finished number three in the league in total defense, and yeah. I believe pass defense as well. The defense did not look the same yeah. as it did under Robert Sala and a D'Amico Ryans. That's right there. you got to also remember that. Now, look at the game against Green Bay. Jordan Love's going to be a star in this league. There's no doubt about that. But they ran all over the 49ers defense. Detroit, what is it, three plays, and then they score a touchdown first series of the game? Uh, Who was it, Jamison Williams is running through the middle of the defense on a 45-yard reverse. Like he's the second coming of, I don't even know, insert great receiver here. Um, So I think – with the Lions and the Packers games and the effort that you saw against certain plays within the 49ers defense that led to the Lions getting that 17-point lead. To me, that right there is what sealed the fate. The Super Bowl was just the cherry on top. It just seemed like they never had a philosophical uh, uh, culmination together all along. Former Raider Stanford out hanging out with us here at Circle Las Vegas Stadium Swim. Up next, we'll get some updates on the uh, coaching staff and how the organization looks with the Raiders. Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Rolling on from Circle Las Vegas, JVT, Cofield, Stadium Swim. So we got Stanford Route in person, nice enough to join us. And I do have to say, appreciate you being on like 48 of 52 weeks a year. Right? <laughs> Always, man. Guys, so we love when, you, <laughs> when you're able to join us here in Vegas. We'll talk about why you're here in a second. We were just talking about as you get yourself more familiar with Vegas, we were just talking about the stadium situation here. Yeah. And we got old Sam Boyd Stadium on the one side of town not being used. And the A's told us, John, right, they were going to build the stadium on the strip, retractable yep. roof. It will be perfect for, like, outdoor 30,000-seat events. So it's going to get so much more use Absolutely, than yeah. just baseball. And, uh, yeah, now it's looking like we're going to have a dome. 
I remember maybe about a week or so ago. Uh, I think I forget what t- what what channel I was watching, and the mayor of Las Vegas was quoted, yes. basically saying yes. like, "Go, yeah, like, go, I don't need, I don't go. really even know why they're coming here because we don't really think it's going to make sense." And I'm like, "It's weird, right? They just can't be great for business." No, <laughs> no, oh no! All, all the 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 uh, commissioners, the county commissioners, the state level politicians, the uh, local state level politicians are all flipping out. But guess what? What she said. It's kind of right. <laughs> She's like, I, I don't know why they're coming out here. Nobody nobody wants them here. <laughs> nobody wants them here. I, I think that's true. I shouldn't say nobody because that's obviously not true. A vast majority of people, if you poll them that have followed this, don't like the deal, don't want them here, think there's been some shadiness to it. We still haven't seen renderings for this thing either. So that's the other part is they had this weird fake rendering that they had given to us uh, at yeah, the beginning. I, I saw so that. Bad. Yep. It's, it's been we, an absolute we, uh, In Vegas – being as competitive as Vegas is for the entertainment dollar, we need winners or we need people who are going to try, owners who are going to try. And while the Raiders have kind of, you know, traded water here around 500, you know Mark Davis tries. Yes. So you were down around the facility, and I know you were around the facility the last bunch of regimes. Yeah. Stanford route, former Raiders here with us. Like, does it feel different? Because from the outside, we could see. I mean, when they're – as soon as McDaniels goes, they start winning some games. They're Absolutely. playing music. They're lighting cigars up. Like, how much does atmosphere – how big is that for an organization, and could you even feel it in the building? Yeah, culture and uh, cu- culture and atmosphere definitely play a big part. I think that because Antonio Pierce, because of him being a former player, him being a Super Bowl champion, they took down the 18-0 and New England Patriots back in 2007, players remember that. And the one thing that I can always remember as a player, I was coached by Willie Brown, God rest his soul. I was coached by Rod Woodson, coached by Lionel Washington, coached by Kevin Ross. And all four of those guys were pro bowlers and or Hall of Famers. And you always have a certain level of respect for a coach who's done it. Maybe not at your position, but somebody who's done it because he completely understands what you may be going through. He understands that you may see things a certain way because he sees them a certain way versus somebody who never has played ever in their life or they haven't played since, you know, high school or something like that. And that's what the players get behind the Max Crosby's of the world, Devontae Adams, all of those guys. They get behind that because they see that he wants it. And then obviously with Antonio Pierce growing up in what, Compton, California, he grew up a Raiders fan. So everybody who's a Raiders fan, you you never stop being one. Now if you get drafted by another team, you'll suppress it a little bit, but you never stop being one. And that's something that everybody who's a part of Raider Nation can feel that. Damon, you got to jump in because you have a really interesting comment on one of the recent hires with AP. Uh, yes, Antonio Pierce, he's hired his son to be an offensive assistant coach on the team. Now, I am all against nepotism in the NFL, but I can make an exception when it's black nepotism. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, was that a question or a statement or or pointed question or what? Well, Steve set me up for it. I... I, (laughs) Well, listen, listen, I can tell you like this. In this industry, coaching industry, there is going to be a version of nepotism to a certain degree, whether it's father uh, hiring a son, whether it's somebody hiring somebody's son-in-law or his own son-in-law or something like that. But so much of this industry is based on who you know. It's based on connections, who you worked with before, who you have a good relationship with. So that sort of thing happens, and that's just the way of the business. I'm down with it. That makes sense. I would say. You are a big fighter of nepotism. I I would would respond to this that uh, folks who haven't had a lot of opportunities – uh, if they mimic what the old guard have been doing in football and sports, then I don't really have a problem with that at all. Because 
again, like Stanford said, that is unfortunately the way you get in. You have to use your family ties and relationships. So now it's fair game, isn't it? Hey, well, the, yeah, this this is an extreme example, but I think this analogy does make some sense because it's what I think of. They were interviewing uh, – this is a while back. I think it was Levitard's show, but they were interviewing one of OJ's lawyers, right? And he was talking about – like one of the – the guy in the interview was like, I hate this. This is not fair. He got off. We know he did it. And the lawyer just goes, yeah, now you know what it's like. And, and like, that's essentially it, right, with the nepotism on what DeMond's talking about. It's like, you know what? I don't like nepotism. But you know what? It's finally time that we got one here, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, DeMond. Oh, that's classic. Yeah, I, I definitely get it. It's just, But, you know, that goes on in, in the industry. You look at politics, things like that. So many times, whenever you're getting, you're, whenever you're getting elected, whoever was backing you as far as uh, investing in your campaign, now you're loyal to them. Now you have to go ahead and you have to push whatever they've been trying to go ahead and try to get done within the city, within the country, what have you. So, this entire world is built on connections. It's built on who you know. It's built on relationships. So it's just something that probably is a more magnified. Whenever it's a father hiring a son and things like that in this industry, but that's something that is very universal throughout all. And if he's not good, he'll get rightfully criticized. Antonio Pierce will <laughs> as we move forward. We've seen it a lot. I mean, we had an instance with the Raiders. Now, Michael Lombardi is not a uh, an employee of the Raiders, but you know there were questions about whether Mick Lombardi um, belonged on that staff offensively under Josh McDaniels. So I'll tell you this, guys: who's the best coach in history or in NFL history? Who would you say is the best coach? I'll go with the obvious Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick hired his son. Yes, he did. His son is now where? And I think uh, what? Uh, Defensive uh, coordinator uh, for uh, Washington. Yeah, in the yep. Pacific Northwest. Uh, we brought that up last week. Uh, I'll give you another all-time coach, Don Shula. Exactly. He had a million sons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. One rose to lead Alabama. Think about it. Who would you say is probably the second best play caller in the NFL right now? The second best. I mean, it's probably Ben Johnson over at Detroit. That's kind of a, I guess, not a hard name. Okay, well, some would say Kyle Shanahan. Oh, right, right. How do you think he got his start? Of course. You think Kyle Shanahan has a dad? He worked hard. I don't know. Maybe, I I don't know. His his dad's name is Mike. Right. (laughs) We always talk about it. It's not that none of these guys who are uh, nepotism products aren't deserving of the chance. It's how early they get it. Yeah. You know, when you come out of college and you're working in the NFL at 23 years old, (laughs) you know as a former player, and I've known former players in the past who are like, Man, it's hard getting a job. Yes, it is. It's it hard to get a job in college, hard to get a job in the pros. And I like and no I have a name, it. but it's hard. So when <laughs> yeah. you see the twenty two year old son of someone, it can be it can be frustrating. It's, I mean sometimes it's not though. Guys like Jack Collinsworth totally deserve his job on the NBC uh, broadcast. It happens in broadcasting too. You're right. <laughs> Believe me, I have no family members in broadcasting, but I will hopefully lean on Damon or John when they're doing they already do a big time you do a big time show. Damon's on his way, so I will be a fine producer in 10 years. No, yeah. ro- no room for you. My son's got that. Ah, guys, <laughs> that's a look. guys I'll, Sorry. I'll, I'll take it a step further. We look at, uh, we look at one of the guys for, uh, for this network, ESPN, Monday Night Football crew, Joe Buck. Mm-hmm. We know yeah. Joe Buck's father right, was a broadcaster. Back. Joe Buck, I believe, was what? He, his first World Series game that he called, he was what, 26, 27 years old? Uh, really? Uh, he might now, have been younger than that. He was in the booth when he was 18. Exactly, was but Joe Buck is very, he's very, very, very good at he what he does. Good. So, yeah, maybe he got it a little bit sooner or a little bit earlier than he should have as far as doing it the right way and paying his dues. But nonetheless, you know, he's very phenomenal at what he does. So, you know, I believe that. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. 
and obviously everybody likes opportunities in this world. But if you're if you're prepared, whenever that opportunity comes, some people will say you're lucky and rightfully so. But I think that uh, it, it it happens in every industry. As long as you make the most of your opportunities, I think yeah. uh, most people are not going to condemn you for simply our, uh, being the recipient of it. I'm sorry to cut you off. Our, our nepotism complaints are a bit whiny <laughs> because in the end, I, you know, I would say uh, whatever job you have. You are where you are because of who you are. So you should be able to, at least with our complexion, you should be able to break through and succeed. And no one's driving you down. All right. No, they're all keeping me down. Stanford played in the NFL, so we got to get take on this in the last three minutes. So he had opportunities, probably still does now, right, when you're sort of a famous person, right? I, is this guy famous, the guy who does the Hot Ones? Oh, yeah, I think so. Podcast or whatever, video cast? Explain that show? Uh, hot ones where you inter- he interviews people over the court, but they they share wings and they go through escalating uh, spice level of sauces. So they go, <laughs> and I think the, the I mean, mom he's, thinks, he's pretty big on the internet, and he and he's he's even bigger because of the reaction. Who was in there the, like two weeks ago? Was it Sydney Sweeney? Sydney Sweeney. Who was like, these aren't hot at all. I'm not feeling it. And all of a sudden, she was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> also, Sydney Sweeney's you know attractive blonde woman, so I think it's probably why she went viral. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, apparently, he was dating an adult star. An adult porn star. Yeah. Really. Oh, I mean, from hosting hot ones. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and the opportunities when you're famous. Well, here's the thing. Why it surprises me? Like, look, I'm not going to get into the dynamic of right dating an adult star and like, hey, honey, have a good day at work, right? Like, that's kind of <laughs> odd. But it's in in hot ones. He seems like such a mild mannered, like, you know what I mean, guy. Mm-hmm. To then just like go like to like bag a porn star and just be like, hey, hey you know, I, it, his outward persona. Does not reflect somebody who I think would go after a because you're starter. judging a book by its cover. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm not afraid of admitting that. Absolutely, I am. He seems very meek and timid. That does not seem like a man who would go do that. I'd be dropping the hammer in many ways. <laughs> right, you never know. And you know, I would think. I mean, I don't know if anyone here is an uh, adult, uh, you know, adult film expert. Um, I would think those women right. would actually like regular sort of guys every once in a while. And I don't mean from the, you know, the weenie standpoint. I just mean from like talking to them oh they'd be like i just need a break well that 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 too did anyone on the raiders all the years you played in the nfl or the chiefs did anyone dabble in that area going out with uh an adult film star i would think that would be interesting uh confidence and all my now when you say going out that's that's more of an ambiguous term uh twice Uh, (laughs) you're with them twice two three times (laughs) uh i don't really know of anybody who by your description, went out with one, but you know, maybe once, <laughs> maybe not a uh, circle back, uh, you know, for a second or third time. But uh, I can think of a couple guys that that went out with them uh, once or twice. It must be wild now. The whole concept, uh, and, and you know, you're a little bit older, so the whole concept of sliding into the DMs just doesn't it change everything now? I thought we were going somewhere it else. does. Yes. It changes everything. It's a new ball game out right. there in social media. Like you don't have to seek out a number. Like, hey, do you know her? Can I get a number? It took two weeks. Yes. Send a message. Social media has made this world so much smaller than it already was. Because, you know, six degrees of separation. You're only six people away from knowing everybody in the world. And I think social media just cuts that in half. Right. Where you're really now three people away from knowing everybody in the world. It used to be back when Michael Jordan or Charles Barkley or Brett Favre or Dan Marino, John Elway, whoever was your favorite athlete. They were your favorite sports star. And you saw them from a distance and you only knew them from what you saw of them that one second that you had to see them in person. Yep. 
And now you can literally reach out and touch them, should I say digitally, whether you want to DM them, whether you want to tweet them, or I'm sorry, you want to what's it, what, what, XX them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's it just there's so many ways for you now to be able to communicate with anybody in the world via social media. So it definitely takes away of some of the mystique, some of the persona, because now you get a chance to see people in their natural habitat, how they communicate, how engaging they are, things like that. So there's many ways that social media has helped this world, but there's also oh, a myriad of ways that it has also been to the detriment mm-hmm. of a lot of humanity. Stanford's a, he's a uh, sensitive guy. He liked, he liked the, <laughs> the subtle nature, the chase, right. the suspense, the good old days. You used to have to woo a girl, Steve. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> and that's if you could woo a girl. We've had this discussion before when we talked about your dating expert friend. Stanford, that was awesome. We appreciate you coming down. Always, man. We'll, Love uh, being old you guys. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. There he is, the former Raider Stanford route down here at Stadium Swim. We're about an hour away from another Kevin Kruger radio show right here on ESPN Las Vegas.